Father, we thank you for this time to preach your word. What a privilege it is, Jesus, to uh, focus in on you, just like the transition study directs us to, to look into your face so that we'll be transformed from one level of glory to another. You call us to look to you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So, God, I pray that we will have a clear picture, Jesus, of who you are so that we will trust you more and love you more. You are the good shepherd. We don't look to anybody else but to you, Lord Jesus. So we thank you. Father, I pray for a special prayer for the, uh, those who are recovering from the fires, Lord, in, in Paradise and Thousand Oaks. Two fires, Lord, in our great state, Lord. So, Father God, I pray for relief. We pray for the, the firefighters and, and those who are fighting and battling fires. We pray for protection for these. Wisdom and discernment as they continue to do their work. Father, I pray for healing. For those who have been greatly affected by the fires, Lord. Father, I pray for the local churches in these areas. To, Lord, that you will use these saints who, are, who have been providentially placed in these communities to give hope through the gospel, the good shepherd, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you somehow will be glorified through this tragedy, through these hardships. Somehow we pray that your kingdom will be advanced and grown uh, through these hardships. So, Father, we thank you, God. Also, Lord God, I pray for those in our family, our church family, who have been committed to adoption, Lord. I pray, Lord, for blessings upon relationships with, with parents and children, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, you for encouragement for those who have uh, taken upon this calling to adopt, Lord. So we thank you for these parents. We thank you for these fathers and mothers, Lord. We thank you for the siblings who have welcomed in new family members, Lord. We pray for deepening relationships in these areas. So God, I thank you, Lord, for the picture of the gospel that is lived out in, the, in adoption, Lord, as we have all been adopted into your great family, the greatest family of all. So thank you, Lord. Please prepare hearts to hear from you, Lord, through the preaching of your word, so that we will love your son Jesus more. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's been a great transition study, and I'm grateful for Pastor Dan organizing uh, this for our church family. And I hear a lot of good, positive things about this and how it's helped people transition in our church corporately, but individually. There's a lot of things going on in our church, so I'm grateful for that. But we're back, back into John. John chapter 10 today, and this really is a continuation of John chapter 9. Just a little bit of context, a little bit of review before we get into John chapter 10, Jesus the Good Shepherd. John chapter 9, Jesus heals the blind man. And this blind man is, undergoes persecution as he, as he claims Christ. They kick him out of the whole synagogue system. And in essence, Jesus is now, same scene, same setting, different chapter, just a continuation, confronts these false teachers, the Pharisees. And this is where Jesus, the good shepherd, shows his tough side, his courageous side, as he battles uh, the Pharisees and, in essence, contrasts good shepherds versus bad shepherds. And today we have a, one of the greatest portraits of our Lord, Jesus Christ, and it's out of John chapter 10. So let's rise. At a, we'll be out of John chapter 10. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 10 and follow along. We'll be going through 1 through 21, verses 1 through 21. Jesus starts off by saying, truly, truly, say, listen up. 
This is so important. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. He's speaking to the Pharisees. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep, speaking about himself. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse 6, this this figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, the Pharisees, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. They didn't understand. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, listen up. I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone, unqualified, anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And I know my own and my own know me. Even as a father knows me, I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I laid down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me. He has complete authority, but I lay down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my father. Finishing up. A division occurred amongst Again, amongst the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Verse 21. Others were saying, these are not the sayings of one demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you give us a clear picture of who you are. You are the good shepherd. Help us to love you more and uh, walk closer with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. Like I said, today Jesus is a topic. Jesus will always be the topic every time we gather. And we see how he leads. Jesus is the greatest leader of all time. A couple of weeks ago we talked about how Jesus is the great finisher. Well, Jesus is the greatest leader of all. He gives us a picture of leadership here. And he takes care of all of our needs. Every single one. From minor to the biggest need of forgiveness of our sins. And he shows us himself. So we're focusing on Christ today. John chapter 10 is all about Jesus. And we're going to also be able to see what godly leadership looks like. So Jesus uses a familiar allegory or a picture to make his point. And this is a very familiar picture. So as we look through the certain elements that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10, I really want to focus in on Jesus the good shepherd. Okay, next week we'll be back in the same chapter uh, 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 highlighting other truths that Jesus is talking about. Today we're talking about Jesus, the good shepherd. And he talks about, in uh, verse 1, he talks about there's a sheep pen. What is a sheep pen? 
So emblematically, Jesus will use sheep pen, sheep, thieves and robbers, the good shepherd or, or, or the shepherd to talk about certain uh, uh, specific characters, certain people. The sheep pen is, Jesus is clearly talking about the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel. And uh, this, is, this is where he's confronting the Pharisees. The context is about Israel. And we're in Jerusalem, the, center, uh, the spiritual center of Israel at the time. And just a little bit about context here. Sheep pen, in that time, there was a neighborhood sheep pen. And in the sheep pen, the shepherd, a shepherd, will bring in the sheep at night to let the sheep rest. And he would go rest and come back and get his sheep. But in this sheep pen, this neighborhood sheep pen, there would be other flocks in there. Okay, it wasn't just be his sheep pen. And, and there, there, this, Jesus is saying, some of the sheep in here are for my people. All right? But other sheep are for the slaughter. So this is a massive sheep pen that we have here. And, and, and some of God's people are in there. Who are the sheep? They're the people of Israel. Okay, some lost, some saved. And in verse 16, Jesus actually includes us as sheep because he says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Talking about Gentiles, non-Jewish people. Most of us are non-Jewish here. Okay, so he's talking about us. So we're also sheep. In Psalms 103, God says, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So sheep is an allegory, a picture of people, in particular his people. This is a very familiar picture in Israel. And sheep, what were sheep like? You know, I, I didn't grow up around sheep. I grew up in a city. I'm from Southern California, San Gabriel Valley. And I don't have sheep around. Because okay? so I, I had to really do some research to understand what are sheep like. From my understanding, through my research, sheep are incredibly, incredibly needy animals. Much more needier than a dog or a cat. Incredibly needy. I mean, they need intensive care to make sure that they're, they're well. I mean, they, they need to be led to food. Otherwise, if, as soon as they chew up the, the grass, they'll continue to eat the dirt. I, I mean, they, they just have no sense in that way to look elsewhere. They have to be led to green pastures constantly. They have to be kept from cliffs or rivers. Otherwise, they'll fall off the cliff and kill themselves. Awareness is not a big thing for sheep. Wool, the wool, their wool needs to be sheared, otherwise they'll overheat or even have infections uh, uh, because of dirt and other debris will collect in their openings. And they could die of infection because of that. They need to be sheared and, and, and groomed properly. If they roll to their side and get knocked down by another sheep or, or they trip, the sheep could suffocate and die because he or she is not able to get up on his feet. So the shepherd needs to bring the sheep back to its feet. And clearly the sheep are, are not able to defend themselves from predators, animal, uh, other animals, or, or even people, thieves and robbers. So shepherds need to be on the guard to take care of these sheep. And, and there's another group of characters that's introduced here, thieves and robbers. Who are these people? Jesus is talking about the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees. He calls them a bunch of thieves and robbers. The Bible says that they will sneak in. They don't go through the front door. They sneak in some other way. They climb up and sneak into the pen. And it, what's easier to steal a sheep? A living sheep or a dead sheep? 
Oftentimes, the thieves and robbers would come in. All they care about is the meat and the, and the wool. It was the slight slit the throat of the sheep, kill the sheep, throw the sheep over, and steal the sheep. Okay, thieves and robbers come to kill and steal. And, but this is not only a familiar allegory, a familiar picture for the Pharisees, but th- there's a very familiar message in the Old Testament. And, and, and as, as I try to do, if I have an opportunity to illustrate from the Old Testament, this is exactly what I want to do. Because the more Bible we know, the more we know God's Word. So let's turn to Ezekiel uh, chapter 34. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, Towards the end of the Old Testament, Ezekiel 34. This is a very, as you're familiar, uh, uh, prophecy that God gives to the, to, the, to the religious rulers, to the rulers of the time in the Old Testament. So as you're turning there, what's the context? Ezekiel was called to be a prophet during the exile. What is that? That means the nation of Israel, many of them were taken to captivity, prisoners of war into Babylon. And Ezekiel grew up in the exile. Um, Israel is absolutely devastated. Jerusalem and the temple lie in ru- absolute ruin. Zedekiah, the, the last king that the, of Judah, is captured. His eyes are gouged out. And before his eyes are gouged out, his, all his sons are murdered before his eyes. In effect, saying, the line of David is dead. Your kingdom, your, the rule is gone. And that's the last thing that Zedekiah is able to see. The population is scattered like sheep all over the, all over in the world, over the nations. They no longer have a home. So this is the context of a very, very difficult time. And God indicts the rulers, the kings, the religious rulers of, the, of Israel at the time. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1. I'm going to read a few verses and trying to kind of tie in the connection. This is what the Pharisees knew, though. This is exactly what the Pharisees knew. So Jesus is clearly pointing this out to them. Ezekiel 34. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. These are the leaders of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. You've been feeding yourselves, he says. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Aren't you supposed to take care of the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. You're eating and feeding off of the flock. Should be the other way around. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened. The diseased you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity you have dominated them. Verse 5, they were scattered for lack of a shepherd. You were not shepherding them. And they became food for every beast of the field. No protection. And were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth. There was no one to search or seek for them. You see this? this is, the Pharisees understood this. They knew Ezekiel 34. And Jesus, in effect, is saying, you are bad shepherds. You have basically done this. You are the thieves and the robbers. You feed yourselves. You, you, you gain off of the people. You're not taking care of the people. You leave the, the sheep unprotected from predators. You don't care for the sick and broken. You don't care for the scattered or the lost. You're abusive form of leadership. I mean, look how they just kicked out this blind man. Right? They kicked him out. And they'll continue to persecute Jewish Christians soon after this. 
just like your father, the devil, all right? Jesus in John chapter 10, 10 says, the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus is very clear. This is, there's nothing soft. There's nothing indirect about Jesus' uh, approach here. We have to understand this. Jesus is the good shepherd. So we're getting to a clear picture of what a good shepherd looks like. And, then, and there's, a, there's two, another description of these false rulers or bad shepherds in John. He calls them hired hands. Hired hands. And these were also the Jewish leaders. In John 10, 12, he says, when the, when the wolf comes, you flee because you're not the owner. You don't care about these sheep. You're simply a mercenary. You're just motivated by money. And status, you, you don't care for these sheep. These sheep aren't your people. You see them as a stepping stone to get something. You're a bunch of false teachers looking out for sordid gain, money or esteem. And, you know, just kind of an illustration. You know, one of my first jobs when I was growing up, I was a security guard, believe it or not. And, one of the, and I, I, no kidding, I was in junior college and I was a security guard. They gave me the uniform, the jacket, and I was making maybe 50 cents above minimum wage. And one of the things they said to me is this. The reason why you're here is just to patrol, to, uh, to provide a presence, and, that, you know, and, and, to, and just to log what's been going on. Okay? And I was like, all right, cool. It, they said this clearly. If anybody comes okay, to the, our site, you're not to fight them. Get in your car and leave and just call the police. He goes, you're only paid minimum wage. And I said, yes, I got it. I'm thinking about football. I'm thinking about my future. I said, yes, that makes perfect sense to me. I understand. All right. So in effect, yeah, I mean, I wanted to do a good job, but, you know, I was doing it for my minimum wage. That's what I was doing it for. And I didn't own the property. I don't own the trucking company that, that I, I, I was guarded. You know, thank God it was pretty safe, you know. But in that sense, you guys are a bunch of thieves and robbers, Jesus saying. You're a bunch of hired hands. You don't care about the sheep. You don't own the sheep like I own the sheep. And look what God's uh, remedy is. We're still in Ezekiel here. This is God. This is how good our God is. All right? He says, don't wait on another king. Don't wait on another judge to show up. Don't wait on some other priest. Look what God says right here. Ezekiel 34, 11. Let's skip to 11 here. For thus says the Lord, this is God's word. Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among the scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I, this is God saying, I personally am going to be your shepherd. I will step in. We're not going to rely on any humans. I will do this, God says. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. I, God says, will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and all the inhabited places of land. I, God says, will feed them in a good pasture and their grazing grounds will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There, will, they, there they will lie down on green past, on gra grazing ground and feed in the rich pastures of the mountains of Israel. I, God, will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. All right. Finishing up, I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them judgment. 
God says, I will be their shepherd. I will be your shepherd in Ezekiel 34 to the people of Israel. Who's this good shepherd? This is God himself. We know who the sheep are. That's people. We know, we know who the thieves and robbers and hired hands. These are the false teachers, the bad shepherds. We know who the good shepherd is. This is Jesus. This is God himself. In Psalms 23, Pastor Dan read this earlier as he led us in worship. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. David says in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. God is my shepherd. John says that Jesus is the good shepherd. Peter says Jesus is the chief shepherd. The author of Hebrews says Jesus is the great shepherd. So in no unclear terms, God is our shepherd. This is who we look to. Whether we're in transition corporately as a church or in individual friends, we look to God. We don't look to another person. We don't look to another man. We don't look to any other replacements. We look to God himself. That's what we're talking about. Jesus says that I am the door also. And, and um, you know, and he's the one that gathers the scattered. I came to seek and save the lost, Jesus said. I came to bind the brokenhearted, Jesus said. So Jesus is God. I can't, John 10, 10 says this. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. All right, this is the God that we look to. This is the shepherd, the good shepherd that we look to. We don't look to any under shepherd. We look to the shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. And um, abundantly means, in this sense, that life abundant, extraordinarily, okay, beyond expectation, beyond what we could even think or imagine, Jesus came to give us his full life. Verse 11 of John 10, okay, says this. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Good meaning good morally, but also beautiful one. I'm the attractive shepherd. I'm the one that you want to look at. And Jesus is the good shepherd, he says in John 10, 11. Since Jesus declares that he is the good shepherd, and he gives us this picture here, right? And I get it. Me included. Many of us aren't, are not familiar with what shepherds are like. We don't have shepherds walking down, you know, Las Tunas Boulevard. They're just not there. Right? We understand this. So how, what does a shepherd look like? Because the more we understand what a shepherd looked like in that time, the more we'll understand who Jesus is. We want to know him more. You know, for example, when, when we say that person's as tough as nails, we understand what that means. Nails are made out of metal. You can pound on them. They keep things together. You know, I get it. That's a picture of a person who's very tough, tough as nails. Okay, so what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd? What are shepherds like? Well, first of all, what was their responsibility? They had a massive responsibility. I mean, they had their responsibility whether they owned the sheep or not. They were supposed to guard a flock of sheep. That was a huge responsibility. This was a fortune that they were walking around, grazing around in the open fields. Absolute fortune. I mean, a huge target for, for not just for animals, animal predators, but humans, thieves and robbers. This was a massive responsibility that these shepherds had. And as I study the life of a shepherd, I mean, I, I discovered these were men. Okay, men did this. This is a, this is a job for men who were absolutely tough, but also very tender. Let me, let me explain a little bit. Their tender, compassionate side of a shepherd. I mean, look, at they had to feed the sheep. 
have to be very patient and gentle with the sheep. They need to spot out poisonous plants and weeds that they, they didn't want the sheep to eat because the sheep would not know any different. They have to nurse the injured sheep. Any, any sheep that got hurt or sick, they have to carry them, take care of them, nurse them. There's a very tender side, a tender, compassionate side to the shepherd. Like I talked about earlier, they have to groom the sheep, they have to lead them to still waters, and they spend time with the sheep. How else could you protect the sheep if you're not spending that time? And Jesus shows how his tender side. I mean, remember the woman at the well, John? Very tender. Everyone was writing her off. She, he's the one that engages her, speaks to her lovingly. How about the children? How do you treat the children? Say, hey, let them come to me. When, when people saw the children's news, no, 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 let the children come to me. So Jesus shows his tender side. But what, and, and that's maybe the picture that we may have of a shepherd, very tender, very gentle. Okay, we may even see pictures, old school pictures of Jesus very in, in wearing his robe, just tenderly holding a sheep in his arm or, or behind his neck. That may be the picture that we have. But oftentimes, I don't know if we really focus on how tough of a job this is, what type, what type of man it took to do this type of job, or what a courageous man it took to do this job. Well, let me explain. Like I said, the sheep were, were a huge target. Okay, you, you, you're able to steal somebody's flock. I mean, you're set for life. This is a massive monetary thing as well. This is a very manly man. This is a man who had to weather the, 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 the environment. This is a man who had weathered skin, sun-beaten skin. This is a man who had to be hardworking and diligent. This is a man who, who had to be skilled and reliable. This is a man who had to carry a stick to fight against wolves and bears and lions, as, as King David described his days as a shepherd boy, how he had to kill and, and fight off a lion and a bear. This is the type of man. This is the type of man who had to stand in, in the way of opposition if people came to steal or to kill the sheep. He had to fight these men. This is how it was. This is not an easy job that the, she that the, that the, that the shepherd had. This is a very unique calling. Not everyone could do this job. And this is what Jesus is saying. I am the good shepherd. And as we understand this more, we're able to really get into value who Christ is. This is who he's saying. I am the good shepherd. He clearly uh, chooses this. And I remember like, I mean, you know, I mean, if, if, if any sheep are lost... He has to be able to go out and do a search and rescue. And that, being in Israel, there's some rugged and rocky terrain where you have to climb up and it, it, it's, it's going to get very dangerous for a sheep. So this is the type of man that was required to do this job. This is the type of man that Jesus is comparing himself to being. And, but also at the same time, these shepherds have to be humble. This is a dirty job that they did, the grimy unglorified. You did not go to the university to do this job. This was a, a blue-collar working man's job. Okay, no status, lowly, servant, or slave. This is the type of job a humble man did this. This is the shepherd. This is what Jesus is saying, who he is. And, but at the same time, you understand, he's confronting the Pharisees He's being, he, right now we're seeing the very courageous side of Jesus while he's tenderly taking care of the blind man. So you see two sides of the same coin right now in Jesus' living. He's taking care of this blind man, saying, I'm with you. Forget everybody else. They may turn your back on you, but I'll never leave you. And the rest of you guys, this is what he says. This is Jesus. This is the God that we follow. 
So let me give you a picture of the under-shepherd. I happen to be an under-shepherd here. Okay, the other pastors are under-shepherds. Jesus is the good chief great shepherd. We are his under-shepherds. Many of us serve as under-shepherds in an unofficial capacity. Many of us are leading and shepherding. Let me give us a picture. In my job in just a year and a half being here, okay, I've had the privilege of doing funerals and weddings and had a chance. We're going to do child dedication later on today. And I've done one before earlier. But there's a very tender, compassionate side to being a pastor. Shepherding. I mean, you do hospital visits. You pray for those who are struggling. We pray for people constantly as a staff on Mondays. And you're meeting with people who are going through difficult things. You're trying to, as, by the power of God, counsel and comfort and encourage the best you can. There's a very tender shepherding side to pastoring. But also, there, just in a year and a half, I've also been thrust into situations where it's very tough, where it takes a lot of courage. Things are naturally, I'm not that way. Who wants to confront people? In Acts 20, it talks about wolves, grievous wolves will rise up amongst you. For me, it's easy to confront people outside the church, outside my family. It's very difficult to confront people who are coming to our church and acting as bad shepherds. And my job, and along with the other under-shepherds here, are to confront these false teachers, these bad shepherds. I mean, even in my year and a half, amongst us, okay, I've had to correct false doctrine, false gospels, such as water, uh, I mean, uh, bapt baptismal regeneration, things like that. We've had to confront those issues. We've had to confront people who are divisive in nature. We've had to confront people and confront them about their sin. We've had to confront people and say, hey, look, you need to repent. And, and I, the reason I point this out is this. This is the role of the under-shepherd. There's a, definitely a tender, compassionate side. But there's a tougher side where you need to protect the sheep. There's a whole, uh, as I was doing some studies on, on, on shepherds, I believe in New Zealand, there's, there's, a, there's a, the shepherds, Amongst the, when they are ready to have like the sheep go to the slaughter, they, they, they incorporate a sheep called a Jewish sheep. A Jewish sheep. What's a Jewish sheep? Jewish sheep is a male castrated sheep where that Jewish sheep leads the other sheep into the slaughterhouse. That Jewish sheep unknowingly just walks in and there's a trap door that opens up and the Jewish sheep is able to escape. But the rest of the sheep that follow him are slaughtered and butchered. Remember, the Bible is, in no unclear terms, written by God, by the Holy Spirit. And he warns us that these false shepherds, these wolves, will be amongst us. Clearly, there's false teachers and bad shepherds outside these walls. We understand this. We live in the world. But this is, I'm just going to give you a picture. What is it like to be an under-shepherd? Under-shepherds are vigilant. Under-shepherds are watching. Under-shepherds respond. But the hope in this, all this is this, is to protect the sheep. But there's hope. The hope in doing all this is that it's in the gospel. When you're calling people to repent, it's because of what Christ has done on the cross that we could say, yes, I'm wrong. I need to repent. 
And it's claim the forgiveness that we've already been given if you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. How does God do this? Now, I'm going to be in Ezekiel again. So if you got your thumb there or open up again, this is too good. you got to look at this yourself, Ezekiel 34. This is where God gives us hope. This is prophecy of the coming Messiah himself, Jesus Christ. Hundreds of years before Christ walked earth, 700 years almost before Christ walked earth. Ezekiel 34, 23. Same uh, chapter, Ezekiel 34, verse 23. Then I, God says this, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. He will feed them himself. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and eliminate harmful beasts from the land so that they may live securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd that God talks about in Ezekiel 34. He's claiming that prophecy. He said, before your very eyes, I am that good shepherd. And when it says, I, in Ezekiel 34, when it says, I will feed them myself, all right? John 10, 17 through 18 says this, for this reason, the Father loves me. Because, why? I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. I feed the sheep myself. I don't eat the sheep. The sheep feed off of me. I am the bread of life, God says, Jesus says. No one has taken it away from me. I have absolute authority. No one forces me to do this. Uh, Satan doesn't have any power over me. I choose to do this, Jesus says. But I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, but good news, I have also the authority to take it up and live again. This commandment I received from my Father. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the chief shepherd that we look to. Therefore, any good under-shepherd doesn't lead the focus of the people to anybody else. That's why I love the transition study, because the focus is about Christ, the good shepherd. Any good under-shepherd leads the people to the good shepherd. That's how this works. How do you want to test uh, uh, what, what type of uh, shepherd that you have over you, serving you? Does he lead people to the good shepherd? That's really what it's about. And, and just like we talked about, Emmanuel, God with us. Our shepherd isn't some, out some command tower looking at us. The good shepherd is walking amongst us. So no matter what we're going through, good or bad, the good shepherd is with you. That's Jesus who we're talking about. And I hope that as we dig into this allegory of the good shepherd, we understand what a shepherd is like now. We understand what a good shepherd is like. This is what we're talking about leadership. We're talking about how Jesus leads and cares for his sheep. He's a personal God. We are learning more about him. So we could trust him more and love him more. He is a personal God. You could trust him. He doesn't feed off of you. We feed off of him. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the good shepherd. We love you. I just thank you that you give us this clear picture of who you are. 
So, Father, I thank you for this. I thank you we, for the opportunity just to point people to you. What a privilege. God, I pray that we, as a church family, your church family, Evergreen SGV, will have a clear picture of who you are so that we will know you more and so that we will trust in you more and that we will love you more and become more like you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.